Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about questions for America's woke corporate leaders. Wade Miller, Executive Director, Citizens for Renewing America, joins me. AFPI launches, I'll tell you more about that, and CNN reveals the Trump agenda. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. We talked the other day about a Zoom call this past Saturday put on, orchestrated, organized by a Yale professor with over 100 corporate CEOs, big, big companies in America, on this call last Saturday, basically talking about the idea of what they all should do with their combined massive power to complain about, push back against election integrity laws. Since we have been over in great detail what the Georgia law says, and to be very clear in case the first time you watch this show, there is nothing even mildly offensive, unfair, racist, extreme, or any other bad thing about the Georgia election integrity law. Nothing at all. It is a, in fact, many conservative wishes were not included. Many conservative agenda items were not included. So it's a very much of a securing elections law in Georgia. Corporate America has gone wild. I want to tell you a couple of people on the call, of companies on the call, let me just tell you just a few more points because I do think this is going to be one of the things. This is a, it's a cultural battle with them. It is a battle to, for the narrative in America. It's a battle to message to these people, these leaders, the presidents, the board members, CEOs of these massive corporations in America. It's a battle to decide who sways them because right now the American left sways them. But other companies involved were, for example, the CEOs of American Express, Merck. Um, they had the uh, little sheet of paper here. They had um, Coca-Cola, United Airlines, Walmart, AMC Theaters, um, Aflac, you know the Aflac. I mean, over 100 companies. And they all, because the tone of the call was to say, look, we're all the ruling elite, we're all the smart people, we're above the fray of these legislative battles about election integrity, and they're positioning themselves as kind of the self-righteous leaders, the ones who know better, they're gonna correct America, they're gonna fix America, and so they got on board talking about the idea of what they're gonna do to uh, fight election integrity laws, not just in Georgia, that has been the center of attention, but around the country, Texas, where I am, has one pending. Uh, you know, it's pretty good. It's not what a lot of conservatives wanted, but it's pretty good all over the country. And it's not just a pushback against these laws. What is revealed as you li listen to little clips or you read little clips of what was said in that call, what they're actually trying to do is fight back against the idea that any American still entertains the idea that there was any election fraud at all in 2020. That's the point of this massive effort to fight against election integrity laws. The point is to silence the American conversation about whether or not there was any election fraud in 2020. The things I want to do today, because we talked about this a couple times recently, I just want to add a couple just, I, I think these are both uh, indications of the hypocrisy of these CEOs and corporations. That's one piece of it, but it's also these are bases or arguments for people to push back against that and, and to actually, 
inspire people to recognize what really is going on. So let me just start with this one. Delta Airlines based in Georgia, American Airlines based here in Texas, both are talking about pushing back, issuing negative comments about the Georgia election integrity law and more broadly election integrity in general. However, right here at our southern border, we have illegal immigrants, as we've been talking about, pouring over the border. Basically, no border enforcement at all, very little uh, border enforcement at all. If you did not listen to my show recently with uh, Victor Avila, a former member of the Border Patrol who talked about just having returned from the border two days before he came on with us to talk about, it's it's just just an unenforceable mess down there. So those people pouring across the border, many of them unaccompanied minors who come claiming that, oh yeah, you know, I have an aunt in Michigan, I have a cousin someplace. So what we are doing at the border is bringing in these people who are allowing them, them to come in haphazardly, meaning maybe half of them, who knows how many, haphazardly giving COVID tests. So some are tested, some are not. They're being transferred to various um, centers and then they get to get on airplanes. They get to get on American and Southwest air carriers, the, the national airlines, American and Southwest, and they get flown to wherever they supposedly have someone who maybe will take them in. In many cases, no proof that anyone there is going to pick them up. But the real point I'm making is they are not requiring ID. In fact, what Victor Alva was describing is even if you have no idea ID at all, which virtually none of these people crossing the border have, you literally walk up to the uh, immigration authorities, the border authorities, and say, yeah, my name is, you know, Joe Smith, whatever they say your name is. They fill out a little form, they hand it to you, that's your ID. And they're permitting people, these illegal aliens, to board airlines with that as their ID. Stop and think about last time you flew, what you had to show, and they're now starting to talk about maybe having to have two forms of ID. They check your, uh, they check your driver's license, or if you're using your passport, they ask you to lower your mask, they stare at your face, they make sure all sorts of you know, severe examination of the American people, actual citizens, before they can board flights. But illegal aliens who may or may not have any COVID testing, may or may not have been uh, ill with COVID, come across the border, may or may not get tested, and they're boarding the airlines with this little piece of paper with the information on it having come from the very person who's showing that as their ID. And these Delta Airlines, now they aren't doing this right now, but American Airlines is, they're participating in this. How is it okay with them to allow completely illegal aliens who have no legal right to be here, who have no legal ID, but they will participate in a program to fly them around the country, drop them wherever it is they get dropped. So they have zero integrity, zero integrity when it comes to ID to get on a flight, unlike what Americans have to have, zero integrity in who they land the airlines, but somehow a massive concern about election integrity in states where the people passing the election integrity laws are the people elected by the people of that state. These airlines, these other corporations that are weighing in with hysteria and a false hysteria about the election integrity laws supposedly having bias to them or something unfair, they have no idea what they're talking about. Every time, every quote you read out of every one of these CEOs, they never say, 
this particular provision is wrong. This is unfair. This doesn't work. They're not saying that. They fling out these tired slogans. I'm against voter suppression. We stand against voter suppression. We know what everybody does, actually. Everybody stands against voter suppression. These are well thought out, well argued, crafted laws in, passed by legislatures whose citizens chose those members of the legislature but you have these corporate American types thinking they're smarter than the legislature, they're smarter than the people who voted for the legislators. They're going to decide what election integrity should look like in America, and they can't even tell you what's in the laws to which they are objecting. It's pretty outrageous, it's pretty extreme, and this is corporate America, woke corporate America, as we talked about at great length yesterday, so I won't do it again today, but they are only and always responding to public pressure. I actually do not believe that all these corporations, 100 plus, have the ranks of the CEOs, the boards, the high level executives filled with rabid leftists. It is, they are not filled with rabid left wingers. They're filled with people who understand they have a product or a service to produce and they want to respond to public pressure or put the other way, they don't want to be the victim of public pressure from the American left so when they hear leftists complaining, leftists characterizing these laws as voter suppression, and they hear nothing from the American right, including from most members of Congress and the Senate, they hear nothing, it's easier to go along, to swim with the tide, as they say, to go along with the winds of public opinion and weigh in and try to sound as though they're really wise and insightful and far superior people than all the people who work to write these laws and pass these laws. What is needed in America, beyond to the extent possible, I mean, we're getting to where you came and boycott all these people. Boycott the ones you can, refuse, complain about these policies when you go to their businesses, complain about them, boycott the big names, and consider also becoming even more active and becoming someone who writes letters to the editor. Dear editor, why is American Airlines complaining about election integrity laws in America when they have no integrity and who they let on their planes in Houston to fly all over this country when they have illegal aliens with no idea at all. Where, where is the integrity in that? Write letters to the editor. If you're an investor and you can get involved in shareholder meetings, show up at shareholder meetings. Put the, make the public pressure felt by corporate America that the actual conservatives who still want law and order and an orderly country that we care to and we want them to stop kowtowing to the American left. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So I mentioned before we start, we have a guest joining us. Oh, 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 I got to one more thing. One more little point on my first five, and then I'll get to my happy guest. Okay, so part of what the thinking is of these corporate elites who go along with whatever the left tells them to say and do, they think that they are buying protection. They think that they are going to be the ones who won't be attacked by the leftist mob in this country, because after all, you know, they, hey, they went along, they stood up uh, with, with Antifa and Black Lives Matter, and they complained about perfectly legitimate election laws. They think they're protecting themselves. Well, Foot Locker found out recently that's not so true. Foot Locker, the company you may like, or, or your kids might like buying their shoes or sneakers, Foot Locker has donated last year to uh, Black Lives Matter causes. So they donate to BLM causes, $200 million, $200 million. And yet, in the ongoing riots in Minnesota, 
when the BLM rioters, the Antifa rioters were out after the most recent incidents involving an officer-involved shooting, which, by the way, it sounds bad. I mean, it sounds like it is justified to be very bothered, upset about that shooting. But we're, we're going to get in that story on Monday. Foot Locker donates $200 million, and they still have their store ransacked and trashed by the rioters. My point telling you that is this. All these woke corporations in America are deluding themselves if they think that somehow they'll be protected from the leftist mob that is now attempting to take over our country. We are at the point of a leftist mob attempting to rule this country. And these corporations think somehow they will buy protection. All they're really going to buy is that famous expression, you know, maybe the alligator, the crocodile will just eat you last. But the fact is, the leftist mob coming for corporate America, coming for America as founded, coming for capitalism, they're going to end up attacking every single one of these corporations who are falsely, who are deluding themselves into thinking they somehow have bought protection. And now, my friends, it really was the end of my first five. So my guest joining us, if you were thinking, if you listen to the show for quite a while, you might be thinking, I know that name, Wade Miller. Um, okay, the best job he ever had was when I used to do this show in Salem Radio, and in my second hour, I had a second hour round table, and I would have a round, I would have, I think I had like eight rotating uh, round table people, two at a time, and Wade was one of my round table people uh, when this show used to be in Salem, and so that was his best job he ever had. But beside that job, which was really fun, um, he actually is also now, the reason he's joining us today, um, he is the CEO of Citizens for Renewing America. Citizens for Renewing, or I guess president of Citizens for Renewing America. And this is affiliated with the organization uh, that Russ Vogt founded. And he was on the show two or three weeks ago. And he's president of the Center for Renewing America. And Wade is president of Citizens for Renewing America, the C4. Prior to that, he worked for Congressman Chip Roy, a Texas Republican, um, and worked actually in the Chip Roy campaign. He worked for Ted Cruz for Senate. He also worked with Heritage Action for America, a great organization uh, doing activist work in trying to bring the conservative agenda to the attention of Washington. Uh, and prior to that, he, and we are most grateful for the fact that he served in the United States Marines from 2002 to 2006. So now he's on board with a brand new job and a brand new organization. So that's why we have him joining us today to talk all about it. So hello, Wade Miller. Hello. Thanks for having me on. It's been too long. Has been too long. Did you like my intro and that the best job you ever had was being on my show? <laughs> I did. In fact, uh, funny, it used to be called the leading ladies. And I think I was the first guy on that. And you introduced us as the leading ladies. And that was pretty funny. <laughs> that, I forgot about that. Okay. So my show, my friends, used to be called Ladies Can We Talk. And so the women I had, I had all women on. Uh, and my little round table, but then Wade joined us and said, we, yeah, we had to change the name. The, my, uh, anyway, the round table, he was fabulous. And I'll tell you one thing about Wade, really, really smart guy. Um, when he worked for Heritage Action and I was doing this show and sometimes I would be really close to showtime and trying to let people know, you know, update, latest thing on whatever bill we were following or issue we were following, you could call Wade and he always knew exactly where it was in Congress and which committee had it and did it get voted out and where it sat and did the House pass, the Senate pass, just a, a real fount of knowledge. I'm sure he was a gift to Congressman Chip Roy, one of our good Republicans from the state of Texas. But okay, let's turn. So Ray, let's just start with this because we kind of went through a bunch of issues this morning talking about um, what you're doing uh, as the uh, president of Citizens for Renewing America. 
But just give an overarching again, if you would, even though I had Russ do it, what is this whole organization about that Russ Vote has formed uh, outside, now that he's no longer in the, um, no longer in the uh, Trump administration? Tell us about the new organization he's founded. Sure. So uh, uh, Center for new Renewing America is the 501c3 organization that Russ Vote founded. And basically, he's taking his knowledge as uh, director of office and management and budget under President Trump and all of his knowledge before that previously uh, to come back out here. And then let's put a focus and emphasis on uh, completing the, uh, and fleshing out, uh, you know, what the next four years of the America First agenda would look like. And there's probably no one better placed than the person who was quarterbacking uh, the, the money strings and the purse strings and, and fighting inside uh, uh, to, to help President Trump identify where the battles were within Congress and then what culture fights we needed to take on. And, you know, a lot of people probably missed it at the time, but, uh, you know, Russ Vote was uh, the, the person behind the scenes who is really pushing to get critical race theory banned and that was one of the uh, uh things that president trump was was able to get done and, and listen to listen to us on that very intently and that's why we got it done that sent shockwaves through uh the 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 federal bureaucracy and of course that was one of the first things that uh president biden overturned but <clears throat> we want to flesh out the america first agenda that means you know taking on woke corporations taking on big tech uh making sure that we're refocusing on china making sure that our military isn't uh, falling prey to all the wokeism and that it's realigning its focus on China, you know, making sure that we're not being market absolutists, that we understand that there are uh, uh, bad actors out in the world who want to undermine our economy and that we're using our tools and our abilities to, to protect our economy and our workers, making sure that we have a, a, a secure border. Uh, one of the people that we brought on as a senior fellow, Mark Paoletta, he is one of the individuals that was able to make sure that the wall got funded. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know how many of y'all uh, read the Justice Thomas uh, uh, concurrence last week, which basically took a huge swipe at uh, big tech and their censorship. Well, he cited uh, Adam Kandub, who is we just hired as one of our senior fellows, and he's going to be tackling big tech issues. But on top of that, and even uh, to some degree, more importantly, uh, making sure that America First Agenda includes, increasingly includes standing up for our culture, our nation, our faith, and our God. And, and uh, this is a, an, an arena that I think too many Republicans have retreated from in the past and we're not standing up. And that's why things like action civics have been advancing through our schools. That's why uh, critical race theory is being, uh, and, uh, you know, racing through all bureaucracies, all corporations, uh, cancel culture. All of these things are kind of from the same vein and they're self-reinforcing. And it's because we shied away from it. We didn't want, you know, we had too many Republicans putting their finger in the air, testing where the winds were, wanting to stay away from controversial issues, worried about being called racist if they took on critical race theory, or worried about, you know, being anti-woman if they stood up for the right to life and, uh, and things like that. So we're really going to look at the federal, state, and local level, figure out where these cultural battles are, and making sure that we are defending a culture that can sustain liberty for multiple generations. Because the direction we're going right now with cultural Marxism, it's not sustainable. And, and you know, you were talking about uh, all these woke corporations. I agree with you. I don't actually think that they, a lot of them actually believe a lot of this. They just want to be the last ones eaten. And they think that if they can outlast small business and if they can appease uh, the, the left, they'll score well on all these social credit scores that are coming out to rank corporations. And 
they'll be able to appease them long enough to survive this kind of wave of craziness on the left until our society has a chance to readjust. And, and the problem is, is, you know, unless we start standing up to corporations and giving them the ability to stand up to the craziness on the left, it's just going to get continue to get worse and worse. Yeah, I love one thing that you said. I love everything you said, but you know, one thing you said, it is so easy, and we've talked about this in other contexts, but it's so easy for candidates and for spokespeople on the right to go with the issues that are kind of meat and potato you think are hardly offensive. You know, I stand for low taxes and limited government and strong military. And almost everyone on the right side of the aisle goes, yay, 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 yay. But the harder issues that are hard to talk about, and, the, and they are hard to talk about because of the woke leftist mob that is now hassling corporate America, they're harder to talk about because you get you get not just disagreement and policy distinctions uh, or policy disagreements, you get attacked, you get pummeled, you get silenced. So it's so much easier, especially if you're an elected official counting on votes, counting on votes to so you get your job again to stay away from the hard issues. I love that you're doing that. Love that you're doing that. Actually, the thing that, um, I guess actually Russ wrote this piece, yeah. So Russ wrote a piece, Russ Vogt wrote a piece, it was in The Federalist, How to Lead the United States into an American Spring. And uh, I can put it up on our website later, but a link to it. But it basically fleshes out a lot of the things that uh, the Center for uh, Amer- Renewing America has. And, and they're, they're the ones you, you touched on. He divides it by God, country, and community. And it's, it's community, it's culture. And I think it is a, it's a bigger and it's a braver thing to take on. So, well, I can't even tell you how many people I've run into who are afraid to talk about these issues because they're afraid of what will come at them. And, you know, I've seen Republicans in, in, in D.C. They're afraid to talk about the border because they'll be seen as, as anti-immigrant. And to that, I say nonsense. You know, you, we need us. We need our party needs a spine. We need to stand up. We need to point at our border and point out that the policies of this president are empowering cartels to create massive humanitarian rights violations against uh, migrants against women, against children. It allows for narco slavery. All sorts of terrible things are happening on our border. It's being facilitated by the left while they pretend to be compassionate about migrants. It, it's the opposite of that. There's nothing compassionate about what the left is doing on our border. And we need to confidently stand up and know that we are morally right on this. Not only is it good policy, but it's the, the human thing to do is to secure our border and make sure that we are protecting our borders from cartel control, who then harm countless families, hundreds of thousands of families every single year. Yeah, I, I love that point. And Wade, I know we, um, I said at the beginning, but I did want to make a distinction. So Russ is the, Russ Vote, who was the director of Office of Management Budget under President Trump, and really just a brilliant, a brilliant guy. He's at Heritage, a brilliant guy in the Trump White House, brilliant guy he's doing now. But the, the portion that you are heading up, uh, Wade, I want to talk about the difference. I mean, you're heading up, uh, again, the Citizens for Renewing America. It's a C4 portion of, of this entity. And I, I want to plant the seed and say this. I do this show every day. I am more fun than a kid should be allowed to have. But I do get comments from people saying, you know, well, you're just talking. You're just talking. What are we going to do? we got to do something. Do something. Well, C4 is a little bit more about doing something rather than just paper writing. So what is it you're going to we're going to do about the issues that you're talking about? Sure. So, you know, the background on this is I kind of cut my teeth uh, getting involved in the Tea Party movement as an activist. Uh, I was concerned. I was in college, newly out of the Marine Corps, cared about the direction my country was going. 
And so I'm, I'm sensitive to the fact that activists have a limited amount of time. And I, I saw a lot of groups out there, sometimes really good action items, sometimes they were just keeping busy, people busy. So it's important to us that if we're gonna ask people to do something, that it's not just to keep them busy to make them think that we're doing something, uh, that it's actually gonna move the ball forward. And so we're developing a whole bunch of strategic fights uh, with HFC, as, as you mentioned earlier, I was the chief of staff for a member of the House Freedom Caucus in, 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 on, uh, in Congress. And I can't tell you the number of times, and this is actually one of the reasons that I was urged to go uh, work for us by my former boss, is because we'd be sitting there, we'd have a ripe fight at our disposal. And as you know, in order for there to be a fight, it needs to be publicly talked about. And if just one or two members go do something and no one's advocating for it or, or, or providing a bullhorn to that topic or going out on the news or spreading this out through their activist communities, there's not really a fight. And, and, and the number of times we're in this situation, uh, we just identified that there was a gap that needed to be filled. So I came over here kind of with the mandate of figuring out how can I help Russ and how can I help our conservative fighters in Congress identify opportunities to move the ball. And then, by the way, we're, we're making this scope even larger. We're looking at city councils. We're looking at uh, uh, state and local uh, issues. Where is the fight at? making sure that activists and concerned citizens have the information that they need uh, so that they can take the moral high ground on this issue. And then making sure that when we have an action item, maybe it's, you know, uh, tell your member of Congress to support this bill, that it's for a strategic reason. In other words, it's not just one of those things that's going to go and, and happen in the middle of the night, no one knows about it. It's because we want to use this, either a procedural effort through like a motion to proceed, or perhaps it's uh, you know, another procedural uh, gimmick that we have to force a vote to put the left uh, on their heels. So for one example, uh, Yvette Harrell, who's a great member of Congress, she's got a, a bill uh, uh, com coming out to the committee. Uh, she put a discharge petition on it. It's to basically force a vote on Title 42, which is the provision that the Trump administration used to uh, enforce a whole bunch of our border security uh, during uh, COVID. And that's currently what we're operating under, uh, well, we were operating under it uh, significantly. Biden's walked that back significantly. Now they see how important it is that we have that there. That's why Biden's walked back repealing that. And they're actually working under that uh, right now. But Democrats are still out there using their talking points. So we actually are going to use a discharge discharge petition. And we're working with leadership and we're working with Congressman Roy and Congressman Harrell to uh, basically force Democrats to have to vote on this. And that'll be a good talking point, a good opportunity for us to basically say, you know, do you or do you not want to secure our border? And there's gonna be a lot of leftists out there that will vote against that. And then we can point at them and say, then, you know, you do not care about securing our border from, uh, from cartels because you're affirmatively voting to empower cartels on our border. That's the type of public dialogue that we need. That's the type of action, action that will actually move the needle in the public conscious and give us the moral high ground by which to talk down to those who are trying to tell us that we don't care about society for XYZ reasons, which is what the left wants to do always to us. Yeah. So is your organization going to have a place eventually for the average Joe citizen? I live here in Texas. Someone else could be in Nebraska or something. And they want to say, hey, you know, I want to tell you what's either happening here or here's this race or here's this issue. Is there going to be a way for people to connect with you and then to find out from you what they should be doing where they live? Yes, uh, we, we have a fancy website that I think is going to be ready at the end of this week. We have kind of a placeholder for now. It's uh, www.americarenewing.com. 
And then from there, there will be a portal where you can go to the C4 entity, which is mine. That's kind of the action uh, centered uh, uh, entity. And we also have social media, Twitter and Facebook, uh, but we're actively ready and, and, and ready to go. We're bringing on some of the best America first uh, people in, in, in DC to continue pushing forward that agenda. Uh, and, and then basically set the stage for 2022 and 2024 and make it safe for our principled uh, uh, office holders to continue to run under that agenda and not have to hide from it because the left's managed to define it a certain way. We're going to take the fight to the left. And I know the left would hate me saying that because somehow that's, you know, uh, violent rhetoric, which is nonsense. But we really want to challenge the left on, on, on their viewpoint of what America is because I think it's fundamentally wrong. It's not within in line with uh, the principles of this country. Uh, and and they, they really do want to recast uh, the, the, this country as irredeemably uh, uh, deplorable, I guess would be there. And that it needs fundamental change. And I say uh, to that that there's uh, so many good things that have happened in this country and around the world because of the principles that we believe in. And we need to continue striving for that vision and, and uh, not let anything get in our way. Absolutely. You know, one uh, point you made, in fact, this wasn't another conversation we had, not today, but the idea of understanding how things actually work in Congress, because you can have someone, a candidate, elected official, says, oh, yeah, I stand for X, but they're in Washington, and if X doesn't happen, and they come out and say, well, I tried to, but I couldn't, or couldn't get enough people, or couldn't get this time, I, there's so many procedural things that, that are available and don't get used, or, and that are also eventually hidden behind. So someone like you who's worked on the Hill understands the actual procedures that, and that make a difference between whether a bill gets out of committee, gets on the floor, gets moving along. These are little things where once you identify, for example, like you've had the discharge petition example you gave, there was another one uh, we talked about a while ago where you can force a, uh, avoid a voice vote and force an actual roll call vote. These are strategic things that could well, put people on the record. Go ahead. We call those shiny objects and the establishment in DC has made an art form out of this, of basically setting up votes that are completely uh, uh, for the purposes of misleading the public and making them think that they're fighting. It doesn't mean that fights never occur, but what you hear from your elected leadership and elected Republicans on what they're doing, nine tenths of that is just fluff. They actually aren't fighting on the issues that they need to be fighting on. And they abuse procedure to miss because people, you know, your average uh, uh, working mom and dad, they don't have time to understand the intricacies of, you know, the filibuster rule or the intricacies of a motion to proceed or what all that means, a discharge petition. So we're here to kind of identify where are the real fights and then where are the fake fights. And often the, the real fights are the ones that our own party leadership doesn't want to have. And so that's what we want to do is uh, we want to work with our conservative fighters in Congress and help them identify opportunities to bring, uh, bring forward a strategic fight that will actually advance our agenda, even during the Biden administration, even while Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer control Congress, we have opportunities to actually fight and not just put forward as, you know, back in the day when they brought forward like 13 or 20 or however many Obamacare repeal votes yeah. were, <laughs> yeah. almost none of those were real. None of them were real or set up to, to that we had one or two and those were even watered down significantly. And then they'd go out to their districts and tell everyone how hard they're fighting on Obamacare. Okay, so if people want to be more involved with you, Wade, uh, I, there's, I think, you should tell how if people listening to what you're saying, how do they learn more about what you're doing and how they get involved? 
Sure. So for now, uh, you can go to www.americarenewing.com. You can check us out on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we're just kind of getting up and running. Uh, Russ had to ramp down operations at OMB and then kind of arrange all the things behind the scenes to get all these uh, great uh, American First Minds and, and policy gurus over here. And we're just starting to churn things forward. And we've already got, uh, you know, many different uh, things going on behind the scenes. You know, one of the things that we're, we're going to be pushing is uh, Senator Tom Cotton has a bill to ban critical race theory in the military. And we're working with them to force a vote on that uh, and then make the, the left have to, you know, tell everyone where they stand. Explain themselves. Yeah. Yeah. OK, Wade Miller, I got to tell you, Russ Vote who's also a wonderful person. It was a great idea he had to recruit you. I'm sure Chip Roy was uh, sorry to see you go, but uh, blessings on this new thing because what, this is a kind of activism. And I was starting to say to you, I said on the phone earlier and, and, and the show too, I get comments all the time on my show saying, well, you're just talking, what do we do, what do we do? And part of what, it, what I think happens is people are so alarmed about America and the direction of our country, they want to think of something that is instantaneous it's a quick thing here's the fix here's how we change it all and and we we got here after you know a long struggle of the left their long march institutions their their entire leftist kind of taking over of so many aspects of society so the pushing back is sometimes assiduous work it is it is it's identify the issue how are we going to fight get a plan move forward it takes that kind of uh, determination and knowledge of how the system works like you have in Washington uh, and just the energy to say, the, the caring enough about a co the country to say, uh, I understand what I'm saying is not popular and I'm still going to fight. So I really commend you and Russ Vote and, and your new organization. I just hope it does well and we'll have you back when you tell us the latest things that you're up to. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And I'll promise you this, we're not going to back down from the woke left. Uh, we're going to be a finger in their eye and we're going to expose what they're doing to this country. So thank you for having me on. Thank you, Wade. We'll talk again soon. Great to see you. Okay, friends, I have to tell you that um, I mentioned this a couple of times. So I'll tell you, that I, on my, this show, I, I think it was last week, but it might have been this week. I had a you know kind of a lengthy comment. I mean, people send me emails. They comment on YouTube and on Facebook. I'm not even sure where this came from. But one commenter was saying, you know, uh, I love your show and you have great information. And I learn a lot, but you know, uh, we have to do something. We can't just talk. We can't just sit here and talk. We have to do something. And I want to address that. And in part, this do something thing, what I was saying to Wade, I really do mean. I think people have the sense that somebody probably has some really great resolution and, and all of a sudden it's going to fix it all. And there really isn't that thing. I mean, where we are in this country, we had, as I use the expression that the Gramsci came up with, the left, Marxist leftists used the long march to America's institutions, during which march most conservatives were sound asleep and not recognizing their country was being taken over. We have that Marxist socialist element took over academia and Hollywood and literature and movies and kind of all of culture. And so we're at a place, and what really happened in 2016 was, you know, the, the, uh, we just wrapped up the eight years of the Obama administration that had worked, worked valiantly, uh, that sounds like a positive word, worked relentlessly to continue pushing this shift of America away from America the free, over to America the socialist, America the Marxist, and that was marching on, and everyone on the left thought that Hillary Clinton would pick up that mantle in 2016. She, she would win 2017. She'd do the same thing. What Donald Trump's presidency did 
was, and his campaign, his candidacy, his speeches did, was woke up, awakened millions of Americans to kind of see, they knew they didn't like little bits and pieces, they didn't like how colleges were glorifying socialism and communism and criticizing and vilifying freedom and free markets and capitalism. They didn't like their kids were learning in schools that America's founding was by a bunch of ugly, old, mean-spirited, racist white guys and that America itself had a very identity as a, as a, uh, a bad actor in the world. Uh, the very founding of ideas of America were bad. All of that was going on for decades and building up. In 2016, as Donald Trump you know, made his case for America, making the case of needing to have a very secure southern border was a huge, huge arrow into the mission of the left. The left has been using massive influx of illegal immigrants to this country and failing to enforce the borders, failing to care about the borders, allowing people to move into America's cities and towns, having them living in sanctuary cities, all like, like a waiting army of future Democrat voters. That was one piece that Donald Trump did. He renewed in America the idea of we actually can produce products and services. We can have businesses in America. We can have the American economy humming again, the free market, strong American economy. We can bring jobs home that have been shipped abroad due to really bad, really bad deals made under the Obama era and prior to that, where we had trade deals and part of America's kind of surrender to globalism and the concept of global government at the UN and through various treaties, various other international organizations, America had been slowly surrendering its sovereignty, its identity, its culture, its commitment to freedom and the Trump presidency. And I'm not even saying Donald Trump realized all of this and the depth of which, about, with which is now being uh, described. I don't think he did. He just knew America's good and we need to have a secure border. Free markets are good. The American people are good. He just had a reassuring message about the, the goodness of this country, the goodness of our founding ideas. And through the time of his presidency, as he spoke those ideas more and got staff on board and people on board who helped him flesh out his instinctive love of America, he was putting more and more arrows into the left-wing effort to turn America from America the free into America the Marxist, America the global citizen with many other equally valid global uh, countries and equally uh, valid ideas, socialism just as valid as freedom and capitalism. And you know, he just, Trump's presidency will be written about for centuries because it was a wake up call. It resulted in being a wake up call to millions and millions of Americans. He often called them the forgotten man, the forgotten Americans, but the people who just kind of watched the country uh, changing before their eyes or jobs being taken away, uh, the federal government growing in power and scope and control over people's lives. And Donald Trump bought that, brought to America the renewal of the idea of love of freedom. And the American people, and the idea of the American people have the right to stand up for that freedom. And they deserve to have it. And they deserve to have an elected government in Washington that protects that freedom. So this is what Donald Trump did. So back to these questions I get sometimes from listeners, and there seem to have been a slew of them recently, people saying, we gotta do something, we gotta do something. Yeah, we do have to do a lot of things, but none of them are going to be instantaneously taking back America. 
Donald Trump did a massive thing in 2016 in taking back America and putting into power the ideas that made America great. But where we are now in 2021 with uh, Joe Biden sitting in the White House, we have an agenda ahead of us. We have the battle to bring America back. If we were at war, if the Cubans had invaded Florida and tried to force communism on us using you know, bullets and bombs, we would fight back with bullets and bombs. But what the invasion of America has been, and we're finally, masses, more and more Americans are awake to it, has been an ideological battle, a battle of ideas, a battle of shifting public thought, a battle of changing how Americans think and see issues. So the battle we have now and going forward is to restore America and the American ideals but it is going to be a battle of uh, getting new laws passed, a battle of changing public perception about issues, a battle of changing the way Washington thinks, what it, uh, thinks about itself, how much power it has, what it has the right to control. The whole concept of a massive totalitarian left-wing government is exactly where we were headed under Obama and where we are headed by and, and, you know, lightning speed under President Biden. So we have... We have an agenda. It has to be fought on the battleground where the battle is. It's not bullets and bombs, but it's a war for the very future, the very heart and soul of America. And that battle means fighting for the policies, the ideas, the values that made America great. And so you just heard that great interview with Wade Miller and their new organization in Washington, uh, Center for Renewing America. I'm sorry, it's Center for Renewing America. Center for Renewing America. I want to tell you about another organization that launched just today, they announced, AFPI. And I have to tell you, I've known about this for a while, and I was waiting for this big day. AFPI uh, is the America First Policy, first, excuse me, America First Policy Institute. AFPI, the America First Policy Institute. I actually knew about this when Trump was still in office, because I, anyway, I am very excited about this idea. Same, similar ideas to what Russ Vote is doing, but AFPI has launched today. They've announced their launch, and this is going to be a, a, uh, just a very substantive, very serious center for uh, American policy. I want to say something else about policy for a second. I know that policy sounds boring to people, and policy sounds like you know, just people sitting around a think tank and wonking out and reading le uh, legislative history and writing policy. Let me tell you why it matters. We talk about the values that founded America, limited government, rule of law, uh, equal justice for all, um, all of the ideas behind the founding of America. You have those ideas, but they have to take shape. They're, there's wonderful ideas, but they don't, they don't get to the place of dictating day-to-day -day life, how we live, you have to take those ideas, create policies out of them, policies that are base them, embrace them, and the policies then drive creation of law. If you get people on board with the policy ideas, and then you go get them on board with getting those policy ideas put forth in law. And the other reason that policies can be creating policy, thinking about policy is so important, is because it forces people on all sides of the aisle to commit to what they believe in. To commit to say, yeah, I actually believe in a Second Amendment, and therefore we have uh, the right to bear arms. 
It doesn't mean unless, of course, uh, the government doesn't like you or unless, of course, uh, all sorts of limits on it. It means we have a right to bear arms. We have a right to freedom of speech. We have a right to freedom of assembly. We have a right to freedom of religion. And these rights are spelled out, but you have to give them teeth. Policy does that, and then policy in turn creates laws. So in Washington, D.C., this new group emerged today. I'm just extremely excited about it. Um, and it's basically is, it's called the America First Policy Institute. It, Institute. it has a lot of people who are getting out of the White House, out of advisory roles in the White House, and taking over and creating this new, pol new policy shop that will be extremely substantive. And I'm going to tell you why I think it matters before I get into the details. Again, what Donald Trump did was bring back the renewal of the love of America, America the free. These people who are creating this organization, who are filling it out, who are their big launch today, they are people who went to work for the Trump administration because they believed in those love of America ideas. They also happen to be really smart and really well aware of how you take these ideals and values into policies and the reason we have to do this is because part of what the left is doing now that President Trump, Donald Trump is not in the White House, the left is trying not just to say, Donald Trump is out, yay, he's gone. That's what the left thinks. They want to say, and everything he stood for is out. Everything he stood for, everything he fought for, everything the American people voted for, it's all out, it's all gone, it's all you know, washed down the drain, tossed over the, or tossed over the cliff. They want to throw away not just the, tr the memory of the Trump presidency, but the very ideas that he brought forth. And I am one who believes, and I've, I feel very sure the vast majority of Americans believe in the ideas that Trump brought to bear in America. The American people want these ideas. They want these ideas and they want them carried forth, even though Donald Trump is not in the White House. So what this organization is going to do, AFPI, and we're going to be having, I was actually on texting on the phone with a bunch of them this morning. I'm, we're going to have several people on over, the, over time talking about what they're doing. But they're really saying, you know, we can continue the push for this America first agenda through a policy shop that will in turn be very active in pushing legislation to make it real to make it have substance because the left will work very hard to silence squelch smother every good idea that came out of the trump administration so this afpi first i should mention that linda mcmahon who uh, whose name you may recognize uh she worked in the white house in the trump white house she is the chairman of the board she served in president trump's cabinet as his administrator of the sba the small business administration so linda mcmahon in the Trump cabinet as director, as administrator of the Small Business Administration, she now is the chairman of the board of this new group, AFPI, America First Policy Institute. Larry Kudlow, vice chair uh, and, and vice chair of the board and chairman of the Center for American, uh, American Prosperity. There are centers within this group that focus on certain policy things. Um, and also my good friend, Brooke Rollins, um, who was formerly in Texas, had the, public, the Texas Public Policy Foundation, worked in the Trump White House. She is the CEO. So you have Brooke as CEO, you have Linda McMahon, and you have a whole host of great, serious, substantive policy leaders. They have a center. I can't even read you all the titles. I'll put this up later. I just got this right before I came on air, but 
Eventually, I'll put a link to their website. They have centers working on American prosperity, the American worker, fair trade, opportunity first, center for the American child. They have a security first. They, they are just, they are driven to get this renewal of America to perpetuate it so it has teeth and depth and keeps on standing up for the Trump agenda. So I'll tell you more about it. They're just, I'm thrilled about it. It's a great, great thing. And it's again, it's because the ideas that President Trump brought to America's attention are really the ideas that made the Trump presidency so successful. They're the reasons that the Trump presidency uh, was, and he as a president was beloved by millions and so he is, these are people saying, okay, you know, we're going to, we have the election we're, and here's where we are in 2021. But these ideas, these are the core ideas that made America great under President Trump. And we're going to hold on to them, give them teeth and voice and specificity and, and energy to move forward. That's what they're doing. One last quick topic today, very quickly, but you know, um, I want to tell you that the uh, extremely brilliant Project Veritas, you know, we've talked about them many, many times. James O'Keefe, founder of the, the uh, Project Veritas group, they get inside various organizations undercover and they record what the people are saying undercover when they don't know that they're being recorded. And this is a huge, or as Trump would say, huge, huge tool to bring to light for the American people what various organizations and people are all about, especially those who lie to the American people, who misrepresent the American people, what they really do. So the Project Veritas got inside CNN. I sent the clip to, Ver I don't even know who is, doing, who is producing my show. It's either Matt or Derek. One of them is in there. And they will play this clip from Project Veritas. I think we got him through this term. We would always hear shots of him jogging. Him and aviator shades and like, a, like you paint him as a young geriatric. We were creating a story there that we didn't know anything about, you know, we were, so that's, that's, I think that's probably it. Look what we did. We got Trump back. I am 100% going to say it. And I 100% believe it, that if it wasn't for CNN, I don't know that Trump would have got voted out. Our focus was to get Trump out of office, right? Without saying it, that's what it was, right? So our next thing is going to be for climate change awareness. Do you think it's going to be just like a lot of like fear? Like climate? Yeah, fear sells. Fear sells. No one ever says those things out loud, but it's obvious. And what is it you do? Technical director, it's one step. Okay, people, I know we talk about CNN a lot in this show, and you know I criticize a lot of things they say, but this is the CNN technical director and other people inside CNN not realizing who they're talking to, acknowledging their entire agenda in 2020 was to get Trump out. Now, you might be thinking, uh, like, who didn't know that? I mean, everyone knew that. Why, why is this news? But first of all, it is news to some people. Some people actually listen to CNN and think they're getting unbiased reporting or intelligent reporting or you know, reporting without a mission. CNN is on, was on a massive mission to force Trump out of office, to cover things falsely, to misrepresent things, to cover other stories in, in false ways that propped up his opponents. CNN was on a mission. Here's a few other quotes uh, that were just kind of amazing. Um, 
CNN technical director Charlie Chester. This is that was that's who that was. Charlie Chester, CNN technical director. Look what we did. We got Trump out. If it wasn't for CNN, I don't know that Trump would have been voted out. Uh, the focus was to get him out. Some people said they came to work for CNN because they wanted to help get Trump out. And people, I understand that you know in America we don't have any more probably. People who, uh, you t- like, it's not like the evening news. We don't have, you know, Walter Cronkite to turn on. He was probably biased too, but leaving that aside, we have so many sources of news. And CNN has a certain segment. It's not a huge segment, but a certain segment of radical, ra- rabid leftists who listen to them and believe everything they hear. But I want to say it's not just CNN. What you have watched in America, the decline of the legendary sources, the legendary trusted sources for truth, you know, like Washington Post and New York Times and ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, all of those alphabet soup, you have watched all of them get pushed and pushed to the left. And they in turn are dragging America to the left. So you have these entities pushing the leftist uh, message, the leftist narrative. And at least for some of them, it's the same phenomenon as is happening with the corporate, the, the wokest, the corporate board people, the corporate CEOs and corporate people getting on a call with a Yale professor and feeling like they're just high and muddy. They're in the cool club because everybody knows in the culture and this march through the institutions the left has engaged in, this Marxist takeover, this cultural Marxism takeover of our culture, our society, how we think, how we see things, that has been so pervasive and unspoken, unseen, that the corporate leaders don't even necessarily know when they get on this call that they're just being pushed around by the Marxist sweep across America, the Marxist destruction of America. They think they're participating in an an enlightening conversation and then participating in a noble motive to expose uh, evil, racist, biased uh, election integrity laws. They actually, some of them do know better and many of them do not, but it's so much easier for them to go along with the left. Well, the same is true of news organizations. I mean, it may be more, I would think in journalism, there are probably more people in uh, editor roles and reporter roles who actually do embrace the radical leftism. They actually do embrace it. So they think it's legitimate to work for a news organization that is, was committed the entire time to destroying uh, the most popular president in American history. And that was noble to them. But CNN isn't alone in this. All the alphabet soup agency uh, you know, outlets you listen to, all the major newspapers that for years had the, the, the panache and the, you know, the kind of um, right, the niche of the truly intellectual ruling class, uh, you know, dictators of truth. They have all been swept by this Marxist redefining truth, redefining the narrative, changing what people perceive about things. So they think they're defending truth. So your job, our job in this precious country in 2021 is to recognize that America is at the precipice. America is at the edge of the cliff. The left is happily engaged in pushing us over the cliff into the destruction of America as founded, destruction of the freedoms guaranteed in the Bill of Rights, destruction of the concept of freedom of religion and speech, 
destruction of the beauty, the greatness, the extraordinary greatness America created by committing itself to the founding ideas of our Declaration of Independence and of our Constitution. The left is dedicated to this. And the news sources you turn to, they didn't get caught yet like CNN did, and they may never get caught, but they're caught up in that same sweep of history. This is the march of history toward a better and more noble socialist world, a globalist socialist economy and world where you know the ruling elite rule and the peasants are so lucky to live under their iron fist control. The people who still love America, who still want freedoms of all kinds, need to be alert to the many ways in which our thoughts, our perceptions of, of instance of issues, of events, of episodes, of all sorts of things, our views are contorted by this leftist push toward destruction of America, and it becomes the common cool crowd. Everyone knows what you're, oh yeah, you're supposed to say, um, you know, uh, something about, well, the you know, elections, it's over, elections are over, all that election fraud, that's tinfoil hat stuff. And you're supposed to say that, you know, there's no crisis at the border because Biden said there's no crisis at the border. And you're supposed to say that the compassionate thing to do is all these unaccompanied children who are practically voting age and they're allowed to represent at the time they are caught at the border their name and how old they are. So who even knows if they're minors? We're supposed to accept everything the left rolls out about the border, about the unaccompanied minors about we're just saving these poor children by shipping around the country uh, and letting them loose in the interior, that we are cruel if we insist on a, a secure border. On issue after issue after issue, the leftist Marxist movement across this country sets the narrative and makes it very hard for people to challenge it. Very hard to challenge, for example, critical race theory, which we do in this show. We do challenge it. We do say it is called out for the evil that it is. But the left has succeeded in taking control of corporate America, taking control of most of the media in America. And where we are now in 2021 is the people who understand what's happening to this country, who love this precious country, who want to preserve America the free, must be alert at every moment to how we're being manipulated, to what we choose to believe just because we read it on CNN or heard it on CNN. We must be dedicated to finding truth ourselves and then fighting for truth by standing up. And one of the many ways you can do it, of course, is supporting these organizations who are trying to get the America First agenda gelled down, organized, and put forth in policy and pushed out in law in, in, law in America, shaming and embarrassing the left that is doing an agenda that I can tell you, I guarantee, as sure as I'm sitting here, the American people do not want the agenda that the American left plans to bring to us. So it is incumbent on each of us to be strong, to stay in the fight, to preserve America. At the end of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So I sent those to Matt, the wonderful, whoever's in there, okay? Uh, questions for woke corporate leaders. Um, and this was the beginning of our um, slides today. We had the... Um, Sorry, I gotta get to the right page. If Georgia's duly passed by the elected legislature, election reform legislation is bad enough to move the, uh, the Major League All-Star game from Atlanta, to cause the CEOs of Delta, America, and United to publicly condemn it, why are they okay working with Cuba? There are no meaningful voting rights in Cuba. Call out their hypocrisy. Why are they okay working with China? No meaningful voting rights, slave labor in China. 
Why are they okay with the federal government allowing illegal immigrants to fly anywhere in America without ID? And by the way, what exactly is wrong with the Georgia election reform legislation? The answer is nothing is actually wrong with it. Do they know that Foot Locker donated $200 million to Black Lives Matter and still Black Lives Matter rioters looted their stores in Minneapolis this past weekend? Woke CEOs have completely lost their grounding in virtue, which leads them to be oblivious to their own hypocrisy. They are still vulnerable to the mob. They may only be the ones who get eaten last, as they say. And we talked about the AFPI launching and to do something. The American First Policy Institute launch is dedicated to furthering the America First agenda, led by former senior Trump administration officials, Brooke Rollins, CEO, Linda McMahon, board chair, other trusted leaders. I'll tell you more about them throughout the coming weeks. Policy analysis plus advocacy needed to fight the ruling class and the radical left. This think tank and others and the people are needed to change America's trajectory. Winning the war for the heart and soul of America requires a long-term battle of ideas. We are battling in the arena of ideas, and that is the American ideal. We must make it matter. And then CNN reveals the Trump agenda, why it matters, Project Veritas, latest video exposure, CNN admission of a dump Trump agenda in 2020, a deliberate focus on getting Trump out of office. News of MSN uh, and CNN bias isn't really news anymore, but brutal clarity of it should be alarming. Nearly, ev nearly every decades-old journalistic institution in America has drunk the leftist Kool-Aid and should be treated skeptically or completely ignored. CNN is free to be biased as they want to be, but Americans must be alert. When they proclaim their agenda, believe them. Watch out for CNN's planned deception and manipulation of America on the climate change fear-mongering, which is the next issue they plan to focus on. And that, my very, very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear